Hello, welcome to the Veterans Drinking Vodka production of Article 15. Here at Article 15, we are attempting to bring both awareness and an end to 22 veterans committing suicide every day. We speak to everyday veterans with everyday issues for vets acclimating back into civilian life from the military. Today, we have Barrick Wood, who served in the United States Marine Corps from 2007 to 2015. Barrick, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna keep saying it that way. I'm gonna make sure that I continue to say it away. Otherwise, I'm gonna screw it up. He was a sergeant, he was 0311 uh, infantry. He uh, did it sort of Afghanistan, was in the, the Helmand province. Barrick, <laughs> I said it. Barrick, welcome aboard, brother. How you doing? Doing great. How about you? Man, yeah, I'm struggling day to day, brother. Struggling. I uh, I always got a saying that uh, in the day to day, I'm a mess. But in the big picture of life, I'm blessed. So that's trademark. Y'all can't be stealing that and putting it on your merch. <laughs> I like it. So, uh, you, Barrett, you, need, man, you need a merch uh, store, man. <laughs> I do. I need to get a little merch store. Article 15, brother. I mean, every one of us got one here or there. Some of us. Yeah. So we met on TikTok. You know, I love your content. You're always silly, but there's, you have your own, your own craft, man. And I, I, I've seen a lot of your work. It's beautiful. I can't really afford it myself. <laughs> it's beautiful work. <laughs> You've been doing the flags and you've been doing all this woodwork, man. Go ahead. This is your time to shine. Tell us about your 135 company. Tell, tell us about this, please. All right. Well, first off, a lot of people get confused about the 135, like where it came from. The 135, uh, I started off this company when I was a deputy sheriff in Putnam County, Georgia. My badge number was 135. And I didn't know what to call my company as I started, you know, building furniture out of my garage. I was on night shift. And, uh, you know, you can only drink so much beer and watch so much TV before you're just bored. Yeah, so no I kidding. went down to my garage and started building furniture. After a while, I started making a little more money. I was like, I don't know, the tax, you know, the government's going to come after me for taxes if I don't start reporting <laughs> this stuff. So um, I better get a business license and then need a name. So I just thought, you know what? I can't think of any good name. My last name's Wood. So um, all the good woodworking names are taken with Wood. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Everybody refers to me as 135 on the radio. I called it 135 until I found something better. 135 Custom Furniture was born and it, people liked the name and it kind of took off. So uh, I dig it, man. I liked it. I didn't know the history behind it. Now I know and know it's half the battle. 2007, man. Uh, we, we You decided to throw on the, uh, the Globe and Anchor, bro. I, I Thank you very much for your service. I appreciate it, man. You know, my veterans are my heroes. I always say that. I love my veterans. And you wound up heading out to Afghanistan 2011, 2012. You want to give a brief, you know, kind of jump over that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, went off, uh, started, you know, joined the Marine Corps in 2007, went to Paris Island, went to uh, immediately from there, went to Camp Pendleton for recon training or school of infantry and then recon training. Blew my knee out about two months into recon training. And uh, so I got kicked out of recon. That's uh, that was my dream. It's all good, you know. They gave me a desk job for a little while until I healed up, and uh, and then I basically joined a, a motor T unit, but deployed as a uh, infantry in oh, 2011. Yeah. Went through uh, Helmand Province, Afghanistan. And we had actually every single one of us came home. We had a lot of close calls. Oh yeah, brother. We all That's good home. to hear, man. Yeah, it was uh, it was very shocking, honestly. It was a good experience over, overall, you know. There's uh, makes you appreciate America, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah, you but, uh, say that again, man. No lie. I I never made it to Afghanistan, but I was out in Iraq and Oman, and I got to travel with Marines. And I'll tell you what, man. I'll pass the next time they ask if I want to do that stuff again. <laughs> y'all, y'all are some Stay messed up Marines, individuals. Oh yeah, you'll know the you half guys, of it. You guys aren't even like, you're like, somebody said, hey, we're going to go start some shit somewhere. And you get, let's go. Do, or do you want to pack or anything? No, no, no. We're, gonna, we're oh, just going to go. My headphones we'll just down, man. What's, oh, you dropped your earbud. Yeah. yeah it's like, we're, we're, now. do you, you want to pack or anything like that? No, no, no. <laughs> we're just going to go. <laughs> we'll figure it out when we get there. Like, I love my you got brain. the ammo, got the weapons. We're good to go. <laughs> That's all we need. <laughs> we'll kill lizards so, in the desert. 
you got back in uh, 2015. So you went right back to Georgia? Yeah, I got back from Afghanistan in 2012, joined the local sheriff's office or well, in one county. Actually, I had to join one county over because I didn't want to work in the same county I, you know, I lived in. I want to be able to relax a little bit more. I got hired right away. You know, most most guys have been a couple of years in the jail, and I really didn't want to do that. But with my experience in the Marine Corps, they put me right on the road. Well, I went to mandate probably three weeks after joining, three, four weeks after joining. Yeah, I went straight to uh, from there to the road. The biggest uh, obstacle in policing was uh, learning the the roads and stuff. That's very difficult. And we yeah, didn't have GPS in our vehicle or anything like that. Just went off a map. Just getting from point A to point B was very difficult, especially if you didn't know the area. Well, yeah, you guys got a lot of uh, unincorporated areas, too, that you guys – and I know as sheriffs because I'm, I'm – um... I'm blue line over here in the Chicagoland area, and I know we've got unincorporated stuff, and the sheriffs wind up having to handle that stuff. And I know you wind up getting those little dirt roads here, and then you're in Georgia. So, yeah. I mean, I know you guys really have some backwood areas. Yeah, it t- it'll take you – if you needed backup, your backup's at the very minimum, I would say 10 minutes away and more likely 20 minutes away. Man. So you learn uh, to talk down situations a lot more than using, you know, force or anything like that. Because that's what we're taught, honestly, in any, you know, law enforcement, you're taught to de-escalation. de-escalate and everything. And people think, yo, you, they go straight to force. No, they don't. They use nah. everything they can besides force, you know. If they come up there, I'd rather talk somebody into out. the handcuffs, man. I'd rather talk somebody into the handcuffs than, oh, than yeah. try and fight them into it. It's so much easier to be able to talk to somebody. When you returned in 2015, right away, you just, you know, you got picked up. Were you finding any troubles with anything? It's like, for me, you know, I'm coming back. I wound up getting back from Iraq in 2009. Me and one of my best friends, I grew up with the guy, you know, we know each other. We wound up going to a a beer fest in uh, Chicago. So it was like beer and bacon, I think it was. I mean, you can't get more American. So we, we had a couple, you know, obviously we were taste testing quote unquote we got done we left we wound up finding a um pot bellies and we wound up getting a sandwich and i saw some younger males walking by with their their pants sagging i just i made a comment said it drives me absolutely nuts i just got back from being in iraq where your uniform has to be at a certain standard at all times you wear your pt gear you have to have it at a certain standard all the time you got your glow belts on got to wear your glow belts at all times. You know, your weapons are carried a certain way. Everything's done a certain way. So when you see this, this bit of chaos, it throws me off. It drives me absolutely nuts when there's no oh, yeah. order to the chaos. I mean, for us, order to a certain chaos. So like I've talked to um, our aviation friends, Amanda and and Amber, our veterans drinking vodka producers, you know, you and I will look at a flight line on a carrier and think like, what in the H-E double hockey sticks is going on? It just seems like everybody's running all over, but they'll know exactly what's going on. For me right. here back in Chicago, man, things are just all over the place. So he makes a comment back, like, big deal, dude. So what? Who cares? You know, you went to Iraq. Like, we 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 did not come back altogether, like you were saying in yours. And, you know, so that really messed me up. That pissed me off to hear some stuff like that. Was there anything that you had to overcome when you were coming back? Fireworks was a big one. I didn't anticipate really yeah. didn't even think about it was, it was crazy. Cause as soon as I got back, I, uh, I spent like maybe three weeks in at my hometown and then my brother was getting married in California, uh, to a California girl and she they moved back here. But uh, the wedding was in California, so we went. We all flew up there, and uh, my wife was going you know, to make a vacation out of it, go to the Grand Canyon and Vegas and stuff like that. And uh, so we got up there, and the wedding went off without a hitch. It was great. You know, had a good old time. I was back with my wife, my family, just having just good old time. Well, I got back like right at the end of like right before July Fourth, basically. Mm-hmm. We're in California, it's 2012. And I didn't even think about it out there. Everybody's getting ready for the fireworks and stuff like that. I'm walking behind my family and the first firework goes off while still light outside. And I immediately grab my father and go down the deck and just like slam him on the ground and stuff like that. Luckily, my dad lost a lot of weight, was actually in pretty good shape at the time. (laughs) And it didn't didn't hurt him too bad. And uh, I just grabbed him. And then I just like I jumped up and I was just like completely like panic. Like this did not happen in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, I had my weapon. I could fight back. 
Uh-huh. I felt in control, even, you know, you know, you can't really fight an explosion, but, um, they're basically opera. What do you call that? What do you call their, uh, the way they operated was IED would go off and then snipers would start shooting at us as we got yeah. the vehicles to fix the, you know, vehicles and stuff. That was their, their modus operandi, if I'm saying it right. So I didn't have a weapon, you know, in California, I'm already kind of uncomfortable in the area. A lot of people around and first fire goes off. I hit, grab my father, hit the deck, and I jump up, and I'm just like, just shaking all over. I'm literally like crying. I can't, I can't, I can't stop it. Like I'm just like, I can't. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I, I was just shaking. My heart was just going like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife, bless her heart, she grabbed me, brought me back to the hotel room, and you know, turned the TV on, closed the curtains, you know, turned it up as loud as she could the TV, and grabbed me, put me in the shower, and I was just like try to calm me down and everything. It never, it's never, it was never as bad for that but i still don't like fireworks but it seems like it's getting better every year so like that first time well, i was just like just so overtaken with emotion and it's never happened since like that that strong mm-hmm. of an emotion yeah that was a really very interesting and then uh yeah i've, I think, I've been there too man yeah. with the, the fireworks you know and and us as uh, law enforcement i know you're you're done with law enforcement now but us as law enforcement officers during the fourth of july like that's <laughs> There's there's no hiding from it, but you know you yeah. have the other senses around you that are still kind of keen. For me, I got my my uh, computer set up in my in my squad and everything like that, mm-hmm. so it kind of draws me away from you know the fireworks and everything like that. And of course, we always play in the in the uh, the area. You always got to play that. Is it a firework or gunshot? And no, you're out in the country, so yeah. <laughs> you guys are playing the same game as us. Oh yeah, there actually really are shooting guns, not just fireworks out there. So yeah, we got that. So. Going back to the beach, and I don't want you know to drag too much out of you or anything like that. You got that shaking mode, that that vigilant, that head on a swivel just snapped right into it. And then the the feeling in your body, I know you said you were crying, but that feeling that you got afterwards, that that immediate like so you hit the deck. You got back up. We're going to say that was probably at most three seconds. You got the initial boom, hit the ground, back up on your feet, head on a swivel, and then you recognized you were still home. That that immediate feeling afterwards, what was like your, your physical, your emotional, what were you feeling exactly? It's hard to say. Um, I just remember being extremely upset, knowing I was home. I was I was not in any danger, but I couldn't calm down for a little while. It took me about mm-hmm. probably 20 minutes to calm down because I mean, if one thing I, you, I was in a fight mode, but there was nothing to fight, you know, yep. and yes, it sir. was like, I was just like ready to do something and I couldn't do anything and I felt helpless and I'm not used to feeling helpless. You know, yeah. I don't like the victim mentality. And, you know, when I went to court and stuff like that, where I was, you know, other instances, but when they kept referring to me as a victim, I was like, I hate it every time. It's cringe every time. Like, I hate that. Just woof. they would call me. State's attorney would call me up, let me know what they're doing with the the case and everything like that. And it was like, all right, well, you know, I've been through this before. I, I, I don't know why you keep calling me about this. They're like, well, you're the victim. My whole body, everything, man, just like, yeah. Well, what? <laughs> I'm not used to that feeling that you were talking about. You were upset. You know, you, you, that fight or flight mode that they talk about uh, definitely as a Marine, they take away that flight mode automatically. It's, it's only fight. That's what mm-hmm. you guys know to do. I mean, I'm Navy. I got my boots on ground in the Middle East. So I, I've gotten some training, and everything like that. but I know for the Marines that I've got, I, like I said, I love my Marines. You'll never find a more loyal friend. It doesn't make a difference. Like, Hey man, that big ass dude in the corner just started some shit. Well, Let's go teach them a lesson. Then we we're gonna go take care of old Bubba over there. You know, it don't make a difference. Like, well, I'm a marine, and I've I've met so many marines like that, and we get these urge these fight feelings, and then we have to recognize everything. We we got this adrenaline pumping through our chest. We're ready to fight. We know exactly what we have to do, and we're used to being around a group of people, men and women who have been trained the same way as us, that have been 
if this happens, we go through these motions, this SOP, boom, 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 boom. These guys know they're supposed to go off this way. These guys know they're supposed to go off that way. I know where I'm supposed to stand. And we all have to go to our position to make sure that we all get out of this alive. And then you look around and everybody's just looking at you like you're crazy. Yep. And nobody's got your six on it. And it's just like, oh, okay. What do I do with all this this adrenaline pump? You got to dump it right away because you know you're going to blow up on somebody and it's not their fault. And it's the worst feeling in the world when you actually do explode on somebody. So moving forward, you know, we, we've talked about the fireworks thing. Has anything else kind of helped you kind of cope with that? Are you seeing counselor or have you been i know the woodworking is kind of a therapy for you is there anything yeah. else you do that helps you out a lot uh drink too much i'm just kidding <laughs> don't do that oh man <laughs> here's my just show kidding. bro no 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 but um no yeah that's a uh, definitely every marine and veteran i know that was their first you know go-to and that's not that's not a good way to cope it only helps for yeah. a very short period of time and then it becomes destructive and, uh, and that's, that was, you know, I fell in the same trap that most Marines do. Most veterans do they come back from a combat tour, drink too much. And then yeah. I went through a dry spell, didn't drink anything and, uh, was, had to overcome that. And that was, uh, that was difficult, but yeah, the woodworking was very therapeutic to me. Getting into law enforcement was great. Uh, I actually missed law enforcement more than I missed the Marine Corps. Uh, a lot of really? people say it's like, it's completely opposite for them. Um, as a law enforcement officer, I felt more in control and I was able to help more people, you know, and okay. so I feel like just like a cog in the machine. I felt like the machine basically. And I was able to do more, you know, officer discretion is my favorite phrase and I can choose to <laughs> arrest like or choose not to arrest. I mean, I was like, you held that power and someone's having a crappy day. You can really help them out. You can talk to them. You don't have to arrest everybody for a crime, you know, that's true. And especially, you know, small, like a little bit of a joint or something like that, or just a petty crime. I'm like, listen, dude, just get them talk to, I even caught a Marine one time. You see, um, he was slid through a stop sign and I pulled him over and found a couple of joints in his car. And I basically called every single cop in the county and they came over, not like as a, you know, come here, I need help. They just come here. I want y'all to talk to this guy. And as a Marine, I was a Sergeant. And I was basically, I said, um, he was a Lance Corporal, I believe. And I was like, uh, Lance Corporal so-and-so. I was like, you're a Marine, right? And he goes, yes, sir. And he doesn't know I'm a Marine. You, you, well, insane you're at asylum. the insane asylum, so yeah. stuff's going to be happening. For real. But uh, I said, my, uh, what's the uh, Marine Corps' drug policy right now? He goes, it's zero tolerance. I'm like, that's right. Then why the bull, you know, hell do I smell marijuana coming out from your car? Uh, he's, oh, I was at a friend's house. I was like, nah, nah, you just lit up. So pulled him out, found some joints, and just gave him a big talking to, you know, disposed of the joints. Didn't arrest him. Didn't even ticket him for, you know, riding through this, you yeah. know, stop sign and everything like that but i scared the bejesus out of him i'm sure and uh hopefully he moved on and did better things i've never heard from him again so or just learn to hide the yeah. joints better yeah <laughs> but that's a, that's what like i miss more is like being able to help people when i was in law enforcement just yeah that was you know i didn't care about you know yeah the action was fun when you're chasing a child musher through the woods and you know you can arrest them i love that stuff that was fun but it's not every cars, day man you know, that, that might nah. be you know, something big might happen maybe once a work week, but mm -hmm. that that's that's a lot even. But for the most part, it's it's community policing and talking yeah. with people, getting out to the businesses. Even working nights. I mean, you, there's plenty of opportunity to talk to folks and they're having a crappy day. You can, you know, make it a little bit better. There's times where, you know, I've seen officers, including myself, put people in the hotel rooms because their house burned down or their car broke down. They're on a trip somewhere. We'll yeah. pay for the hotel and everything like that. People just don't see that side of, you know, community policing or police work at all. No, and it it, it's, it's greatly appreciated, yeah. though. You can, you can keep that midnight shift to yourself, though, man. I I'm, I'm, can't do it. Yeah, Cannot. It, it sucks for your social life, but it was probably the most fun I've ever had as far as the uh, most exciting uh, at night. You know, I was in a small county, but it was big meth county. Meth does a lot of bad things to... <laughs> Good people, you know. Yeah, it does. And it was amazing the things I saw. I was just like, I couldn't believe it. But you can, you know, there's a lot. I was really surprised. My first year in the job, uh, first month in the job, I came across a beheading, actually. 
Yeah, it was a famous um, called the uh, Lake Oconee Murders, and uh, wow, that was the first one there. And uh, you know, I was like, I thought I was done seeing you know, you know, beheaded bodies and stuff like that. I was like, and but it was it was uh, if you're not if you want to see a good podcast and everything like that, another good one is go to there. I don't know what the podcast is called, but it's called the Lake Oconee Murders or the Derman Murders. Yeah, I was the first one there for that. It's still unsolved, but the guy. So has make sure you guys off. go and see that podcast after you're yeah. done. Listening to all of my podcasts first, we got <laughs> to make go. sure that Article 15 gets pushed ahead of everybody else. We got to make this stuff blow up. I said that was an interesting case to break, you know, cut my teeth on. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So now you're you're still down in Georgia. You're woodworking. And you got yourself a nice little family. How how is it still handling your? Uh, and I don't want to throw it down as just PTSD, mm-hmm. but. The same thing that happened on that beach that day. I mean, it doesn't just go away. It's it's mm-hmm. not something that just it's done. It's over with. That we'll forget about it. How are you doing now that you have you know a family involved and you know you got your business? How are you handling all uh, of the uh, different incidents that might happen, or what what can be like a and another term I hate using is a trigger point for you? Yeah, yeah. You know, large, I'm always, I'm, I'm a little paranoid already, you know, most veterans are just with PTSD. It comes with, you know, territory, I guess. And yeah. uh, moving into insane asylum <laughs> didn't, help, didn't help too much. We're going to have to talk about this too, because we keep yeah. commenting on it. And if you don't follow Wood on TikTok, you don't know what's going on. I'll give you a tour at the uh, towards the end of the podcast. I can, I can uh, walk you around a little bit. I was able to get Wi-Fi out here. So that was great. Like literally, like I'm not kidding, dude. I would have people walk into my shop. I'd be cutting wood on my table saw, turn it off, turn around. There's someone standing right behind me. Like literally just a stranger standing right behind me <laughs> in my shop. And I, you know, and I carry at work and I've like had my hand on the gun. Like, I was like, can I help you? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I heard someone was working in here. I just want to come by and see if I can walk around the property and stuff. I'm like, so no, walked in my shop. So I put deadbolts in all the doors and stuff like that, so no one can come in unless I. I remember seeing those door. videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were literally just walking in my shop. This happened multiple <laughs> times. And you talking about PTSD kicking in? Yeah. After I crapped myself. <laughs> so, uh, so, Barrick bought an insane asylum to make I his a workshop. building in an insane asylum. You I bought an it. insane asylum. <laughs> you decided bad. to do woodworking in so there's you know loud buzzing noises on a regular because of the saws and everything going off hammering or whatever or whenever you trip of course over <laughs> stuff then you then you go like every once in a while you're like hey let's just go searching through this old insane asylum and it's worse than a horror movie i'm sitting there staring at my screen like he's gonna find something and i cannot wait for him to just freak out well as we're remodeling stuff like things i mean we're still finding stuff in the walls and the ceilings and stuff because as we do remodeling and start changing the lights to leds or something like that we have to get up in these spaces we haven't been in yet so we're like finding (laughs) weird stuff and like letters and we're like what the crap is going on this place man you got to uh, save them all and put them up in like a shadow box, you know, like crazy oh, shit that we found. Oh, I am. I told you what you need to do for one of your videos for TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I'm still waiting for it. I'm going to be like, that was my idea. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, don't tell anybody on here what it is, though. No, no, of course not. I don't want to give away my secrets. So yeah. what? Re- so were you doing woodworking prior to the core or or what? What really uh, got was, you? Um, my dad owns a construction company and I was okay. raised in construction. I just, you know, rough framing houses and stuff like that. Now I work for a bathroom remodeling company doing uh, bathroom remodels. The first piece of furniture I made was a, a bookcase for my girlfriend, now wife at, you know, at the time. And I built that and, and my dad's barn and then didn't touch woodworking for a couple more years. It really just started off with pallet furniture. Remember pallet furniture used to be real popular? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. We still it's it's cool now up in Chicago. So you know if you oh, if you it? really want to get back to it and really charge some idiots some some big money, these <laughs> hipsters out here will spend every dime that their parents made and they will tell you how they're they're living the rough life and they'll pay five hundred dollars for a pallet couch. 
Well, that's pretty cheap. Is it cheap? I don't know what the hell pallet. <laughs> I mean, I just steal pallets from the the you know the local logistics company. I just go yeah. and steal their pallets, and make stuff. It's easy yeah. day. Well, it's free wood basically. A lot of the time you can get it free, and that's why I basically when I started woodworking, that was like a big thing. So I had yeah. access to a bunch of pallets. So I was like, hey, it's free wood. I can keep costs down. And then, you know, I just started building stuff I saw on Pinterest. And uh, then my wife showed me, said, hey, this is cool on Pinterest. I'm like, all right, you want to buy it? She's like, no, you can't buy it on Pinterest. It's just for pictures. And so I'm like, why can't you buy it? And she's like, it's not for that. I'm like, why not? <laughs> so she's It's like, a do-it-yourself, but I have money. Why would I do it myself if I could pay somebody else to do it? So honestly, Pinterest aggravated me because you couldn't buy the stuff. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just going to make it and sell it to these people. And, and it worked out pretty well. So I was but, pretty um, awesome. Stumbled yeah. into, yeah. It was it was nuts. I you know I quit my job as a as a cop, started doing it full time. But it really the it wasn't because the the business was doing so great. I only made five thousand dollars my first year in profit after expenses. So you know you can't hardly live off five thousand dollars for a whole year. But my wife had a good job. But it really, the deciding factor was I only saw my wife for maybe an hour a day. I did a TikTok uh-huh. on this um, about why I quit my other job. I only saw her for about 15 minutes in the morning because she worked days. I worked nights. So I'd be coming in and she'd be heading out. Yeah, and then yeah, she'd come yeah. back around 4 o'clock, 4.30, and I'd be heading out by 5.30. go to my shift. It started at 6. So I only see her for maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes a day. And I was like, and our marriage started suffering. Also, that's something people don't tell you if you're married before you go to the deployment. You come back. Your wife's a different person, your or your husband's a different person, and you're a different person. Yeah. And you can't like I was a leader, you know, I was a sergeant, I was in a leadership role. And I come back and I'm trying to like, you know, you know, knife hand and stuff. Knife like hand that. the wife. It, it don't work. It don't work. It don't work. You ain't lying, man. My wife was, you know, she was going to college and uh she's got a master's degree in education. Now a health coach. We're going to be new best friends. I swear to God. My wife has a yeah. master's degree. She's a <laughs> high school teacher. She's so much smarter than me. <laughs> she doesn't oh, deal with man. the night band either, though. You're not going to believe this, man, how, how like, right here we are. Because in 2011 to 2012, I was in Iraq. I was helping with the big, big drawdowns and closing up bases mm-hmm. and stuff like that throughout Iraq, helping out with that stuff. I came back. I, I, I left as an E5. I'd made E5 back in uh, 09. And I came back, obviously, as an E5 and everything like that. So we we're both both E5s coming back in 2012. And I got back. I got back in April. We left in March mm-hmm. of uh, 11. And I got back in April of 12. Yeah, man, that's wild. Because my wife, she's a teacher. She teaches at a high school. She went and got her master's degree. So, I mean, we're, we're like new best friends. I can't do Dude, I swear, Most cops, their wives are in education. Like just about yeah. every cop I know, their wife's a teacher. No kidding. You know? I, none of my buddies are teachers. None of my buddies' wives yeah. are teachers. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's something. Maybe it's a southern thing. I don't know, man. But it's it's like it's nuts. I am but, from uh, the south side of Chicago, so I don't. Know. <laughs> could, be, could be the same thing. <laughs> the south side, baby. That's right. South side, oh, man. Go white sides. Now that you got the woodworking business, you know, congratulations on everything, man. Do you have a website? Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, 135customfurniture.com, I think. I'll, I'll send you a link to put on the uh, podcast when you finish and everything. If you think on my Instagram, it's 135 underscore custom underscore furniture. And uh, I got, you know, a link tree in there. They go to my merch store. Um, uh, I got a beef jerky company that's, um, what do you call it, that's sponsoring me and stuff. What? I'm trying to work on, uh, I'm trying to work on Laguna Tools to sponsor me. Um, I'm friends with one of the uh, owners and uh, he's a really cool dude. And you know, they're you know multi million dollar company, and I got a lot of their tools. I'm trying to get more, and uh, they're just they're great. They're great people. Their customer services. What's really great awesome. when they sponsor you and just give you free oh, yeah. stuff? Yeah, makes the shop look good. Yeah, oh, for real. I need to give y'all a tour. Yeah, it was a uh, going back to law enforcement and everything. I'm not sure if you've heard this this story right here. But, you know, the first month, the Dermot murders, guys, you know, beheading and all that kind of stuff like that. It's pretty crazy. And about 10 months later, so about under a year still, I got shot in the face uh, with a shotgun. You were shot in the face? Yeah. You're the only yep. person I know in the military who had it worse here in the States than they did it over in the Middle East. 
For real. I came back with all my fingers and toes. I got, you know, blown up a couple of times. That was it. And I, everybody was all right and had a little shooken up, maybe a slight concussion. But yeah, as soon as I got back here, <laughs> my fights, getting shot. I got shot twice, actually. Yeah, that was, I uh, went into a domestic dispute, chased the guy behind the wood, into the woods. He turned around. I already had my weapon out and my flashlight. It was like eight o'clock the day before Thanksgiving. So it was dark early. And he turned around and I was like, I remember yelling out to him. I was like, I said, I called us, I'm going to say his name on here, but I said, hey, man. I said, come on out. I already knew who it was. I already been in this house three or four yeah. times, but I want to yeah. treat it like it was the first time. So I had my weapon out. He, uh, as soon as I called his name out, bam, shot me in the face. I literally felt like the top of my head was like exposed. That's where the, wow. it was, like, all the pain was back here. And it wasn't, well, not pain. It was, it's hard to describe getting shot, honestly. It was like not painful. It was very hot and a lot of pressure. Like someone's mm-hmm. head was being put in a vice, you know? But there was not really any pain because my adrenaline kicked in. And uh, my weapon is still out. I push out, start firing back at the muzzle flash because he's in the dark. So I start firing back. And then I'm shooting this way. See what I do this way. And then he shoots me again from this way. <laughs> God, God bless it, man. <laughs> that one hit me in my chest and my gun hand, my shoulder. And it was a you know 12-gauge uh, shotgun. The only reason I survived is because it was loaded with bird shot. Oh, but that's still that that'll make you bleed out. You. Yeah, yeah, the bird shot can kill you. That bird and, uh, shot will make you you bleed out more with all the yeah. damn little pellets and stuff. But if he was out of range, man, it, it you know it, it still hurts. But yeah. oh, oh yeah. man, but uh, that one knocked me to the ground because I my vest took the brunt of it. It knocked me down. I fired a couple times while on my butt, scooting backwards, calling radio. You know, I've been shot. You know, far, you know, shots fired. I've been hit. You know, come back, do a tactical reload, you know, and one of the I had one of the deputies showed up. It was actually his call, but he overshot the driveway and I pulled in first because I've been there before and he hadn't. But he had kind of like stopped in the middle between the two cars with his shotgun. And I'm really sure if he froze up or what, or if I was just going so fast it looked like he was standing still. But yeah. I grabbed him, shoved him behind the vehicle, or I told him, you know, watch the side of the house. If he comes around and you kill him. And uh and then I said, I'm gonna watch this side. And I technical reload, call the radio. I remember like coming like this, coming back, my hands covered in blood. I looked down, yeah. my shirt's covered in blood. I mean, just dripping blood. And I'm thinking to myself, I need to get my my AR out of my trunk. But my, I was behind the other deputy's car. My tr- my vehicle was about twenty yards ahead of me, and I was like, I had to go through all this exposed area just to get my rifle. My wife's gonna yeah, kill me if she if I get killed going to get my gun. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking that. But uh, I mean, it's true what they say too. Uh, everything slow. Not anything slowed down. It just in your head, everything slowed down. Everything. It was mm-hmm. like um, the voice in my head was like, uh, even the first time I got shot, you just got shot in the head. That's what that's what the voice in my head said. I was like, yeah, but we're still alive. Keep fighting. Like it was weird. It was like it was like it, a lot. Of, you know what do you call it? Hollywood? Got a lot of that right sometimes. They do the yeah. inner monologue. You just got shot in the face. I'm like, yep, but you're still alive. Keep fighting. You're yeah. ble- you're bleeding out. I'm like, not yet. We're still good. We're well, uh, good. <laughs> we're good. And uh, but I remember getting dizzy and you know because I thought I was losing too much blood. I really not, was not sure what you know. I was feeling lots of different emotions and different um, feelings and stuff. And pain wasn't one of them. I was more dizzy and I was like, ah, oh, that's a blood loss. So I remember getting on the radio and just saying, you know, hey, I'm been shot in the head or I've been shot in the face or head at the time. I said, I'm losing a lot of blood. And I was, you know, I was, you know, pretty calm on the radio, they said, but something went on that the radio conversation was never recorded. We have a, we're in a really crappy, de- well, not crappy, small department. So yeah. a lot of the uh, electronics. Low funded is what we like to call Low it. Low funded, yeah. And uh, we literally only have about four, maybe five deputies on a good day per shift. And it's covering a huge county. So, yeah, uh, yeah it was, uh, it was interesting, you know, it was what um, got back. Got in the ambulance. You know, I told the ambulance to stage out. Don't come in. Those EMT guys, they're they're ballsy, and they came that's right nice. up in there and picked that's, me that's up. Nice. And yeah, my sergeant walks up. He's like, "Hey, Wood, holster your weapon. Get on the ambulance." I'm like, "Sorry, he's still out there. You know, we gotta we gotta wait." And he said, "Holster your weapon. Get in the ambulance." And I couldn't holster my weapon. I just wouldn't anything like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I did get on the ambulance, and I didn't holster my weapon until we got about five miles away. I think I'm here calling my wife on the EMT's cell phone. Telling him, you know, I said, hey, um, I know she's about to see her folks in the next county over. And I was like, 
hey, babe, have you left yet? She goes, no, no. And I, this is also um, EMT Lynn borrowed his phone and he took a picture of my face. And that's where I saw the pellet hit me right in the face right here. Man. And actually went into my eye socket. So all that pain I was feeling back here was actually just internal in my eye socket. And it's actually gotcha. still there. Missed my eyeball by one millimeter. And uh, the one of my, I had, you know, one of my hand as well. My that one hit the bone and kind of scurried along in my hand. Uh, had uh, one of my shoulder didn't know about until I got to the hospital. So I called my wife and was like, "Hey, have you left yet to see your folks?" And she's like, "No, I'm about to walk out the door now." I was like, "All right, well, you might want to go to the hospital over here." She goes, "What happened?" I was like, "Well, I got shot in the cheek." Cause that's where it looked like I got shot like yeah. right there, but I didn't have any idea how big your eye socket actually is. And so I got shot in the cheek. She goes, what the butt cheek? <laughs> no, I was like the, uh, the other one, she said, you got shot in the face. I, was, I, was, I didn't want to say I got shot in the face. So I was like, I said, I'm okay. I said, I'm in the ambulance. I'm headed to the hospital. So just call my family. Let them know I'm okay, but I'm headed to the hospital. Well, I'm going to notice me like every surrounding County, like, was just converging on that area. Yeah. So they're still trying to find the guy that shot me. He came out of the uh, woods about an hour and a half later and we got him and you know, he's still in prison now, but he got five years for shooting me five years for trying to kill his girlfriend, which was the domestic dispute we're going to uh-huh. and uh, 10 years each probation for the same thing. So he got 10 years prison, 20 years probation. He's still there, but he's, he should be getting out pretty soon. Honestly, man, that's that's a, that's a wild freaking ride, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with with all that, um, have you been through the VA at all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how was that experience for you? It's it's funny because the VA is literally like uh, three quarters of a mile from me. They're actually in yeah. the same Central State Hospital area, and so it's a very small VA, and they've treated me very well. They've been very flexible. And um, now, which, which VA is this? Let's give them a shout out. So when yeah, I hear uh, about Milledgeville, Georgia, yeah, which one's that? Milledgeville, Georgia. Milledgeville, Georgia, VA. Thank you very much mm-hmm. for what you guys do. Yeah. Appreciate it. Please keep up the great work. Yeah, I've also uh, had a good experience with the Dublin VA in Georgia. They've been really oh, yeah. good. They've streamlined everything. You know, like I went in there for X-rays one time, and there's about 20 people waiting, and I literally sat down, pulled up Angry Birds, ready to you know sit there and. <laughs> Five minutes later, they called my name and I was like, oh, okay. And they just streamlined it very well for like x-rays and things like that. Awesome, but as far man. as getting benefits, that might be a little bit different. But as far as like, you know, getting seen by a doctor for routine stuff was pretty nice. Uh, in an emergency situation, I would say they're up and down a little bit. I threw my back out one time and it, they had, couldn't see me for like two months. So. Damn. Yeah, it was it was rough. I was like, well, I'm I'm gonna I can't be two months with a you know slip disc, so I had to go see a private doctor. I mean, most everything else, getting you know medication and stuff like that, they've always been really good. I call them up, and a week later it shows up. So, but yeah, that's they're they're pretty good. I would say better than most. Well, so now moving on. Besides, you know, fireworks, or anything, any other trigger points, anything like that for you? I know you obviously have the insane asylum. That's Keeps you on your toes and everything like that. But yeah, yeah. Like for me, when I'm at home, my kids are children. That's that's what they 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 do. They they act as children. They love going around, running into each other's rooms, opening doors, closing doors. And I'll be down on the main floor. You know, I got a uh, you know the bedrooms are upstairs and stuff like that. Doors opening and closing, and you hear the feet running and stuff like that. For me, that kind of gets it gets into my head man and it's like i gotta try and put a stop to it but i'm trying to get around it you know i'm trying to use these coping tools i got a counselor that i talk to she gives me coping tools to kind of work with Uh, is there anything else that kind of triggers you off at all um well your little girl she's two and a half and she's like you know three feet tall less than three feet tall so she sits kind of below my eye level and she all of a sudden comes around a corner sometimes when i'm brushing my teeth or shaving I'm scared of bejesus out of me, but I've never been scared by a princess before. She's <laughs> wearing her crown. Yeah. <laughs> She'll grab me. I'm like, it's <laughs> not expecting it. Uh, smells is a big one. I got in a, a truck one time. I was borrowing from a friend. We got at a, I got to a stoplight. Luckily, it was a um, red light. I remember I just turned on the AC and I got hit by this really musty, dust mm-hmm. old AC that wasn't, you know, had running for a while. And that immediately put me back in Afghanistan on one of those MRAPs. Yeah. And I was, and one of the MRA, yeah, I was going to say either an MRAP or a striker. Yeah, my whole body just locked up. But then luckily I was, you know, at a stoplight. So I didn't really affect my driving. But it mm-hmm. took me probably about 
10 seconds to recover from that. And people are honking at me. I was like, Oh, sorry. Pulled off. But what what kind of tools, back. what are you using to kind of combat with this? What kind of, is there any type of tools or anything? So like I wind up using the combat breathing mm -hmm. a lot, uh, the four second inhale, four second, holding it four second, exhaling. I also, what the hell's the other thing I try and do I, a lot of self-awareness, you know, trying to yeah. remember, trying to get faster and faster clicking in my head that I'm at home. Is there anything that you, uh, you personally use or have been kind of an idea? Somebody's given you the idea to use. Not really. I had the breathing thing. I've been doing that. And, um, for a long time, it's not even really conscious anymore. I think I just, you know, I get, I guess, uh, startled pretty often, especially out here where there's weird noises and stuff like that. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> happened. I'm like, all right. Uh, whew, okay. Just calm down for a second. Look around. I might walk around the whole shop, make sure I'm all by myself and everything like that. Um, well, you can't yeah, see not, ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's true. But, um, you know, the building I'm in was actually a music therapy area for the residents here. So I'm, I like to think it was happy thoughts they had or happy memories. So, yeah. All right, man. Bad. I appreciate your time and everything with yeah. this. I know you're a busy, busy man with all the beautiful flag work that you you do if you guys have a chance please check his website out man one more time for the plug 135 what was it 135 custom furniture and if you want to hit me on instagram it's 135 underscore custom underscore furniture and then from there you go to my link tree uh, also on tiktok it's just 135 custom furniture he's got all the merch up there he's got shirts hats yep. uh i think hoodies, hoodies. i've seen them yeah and uh any any um Oh crap! Non props that you've been to? Any other non? Uh, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to a, a good one uh, to put up my uh, link tree and stuff. If you can, if you have one you really trust, I've been burned before. Uh, yeah. Giving money yeah. to people, and I, honestly, that's one thing I do. Like, I give like people think I, you know, people creators and stuff like that with a uh, large following like I have are making tons of money, but we're, we're not making tons of money off of that. We're, I just make the videos because I like making videos, honestly. Yeah. But. <laughs> I've given way more money than I've ever made on TikTok to mm -hmm. people on TikTok and so like that. Just like there was a great one where uh, an officer was trying to get a canine. I, you know, I donated uh, to that. The Save That's the cool. Farm TikToks. So I was getting. I was trying to save uh, her. Yeah, farm. I remember the Save the Farm. That one, was yeah. great. Yeah, that was a really so, good one. And, uh, I, well, I I always know, and I was telling you about Eddie before Eddie with Tackle Twenty Two Fishing. Yeah. I always tell people because Eddie. He just takes people out fishing. He's going live all the time whenever he's out there. His beautiful story, like I said, it's his story to tell. I'm never going to diminish it or water it down. But he had an NCO that that helped him out one day, and he's just trying to carry on the legacy. Uh, you got Battle 22 with Chad. Speaking of which, I might as well give him a shout-out now. Got my nice. red on because things drop on Friday. This shirt was by uh, uh, Battle 22. Let me think. AWA Anglers is another one. They're out of New Mexico. One that I truly believe in is the Battle Buddy Response Team. They're out of West Virginia. They're doing great work over there. But one that I know for a fact, you know, they're not a TikToking crew or anything like that. It's mm -hmm. called the Headstrong Project. What they do is a non-for-profit organization based out of New York. They're getting veterans of mental health that they need. And then they also get their families, their spouses and their children's the counseling to help them help the veteran battle this PTSD. So yeah. uh, we did a march and you're welcome to join us this year, uh, September 11th. We're going to be marching. It's the 20th anniversary of nine 11. Uh, That's your birthday. You should have picked yeah. a different day, man. <laughs> um, I don't control so, my parents have sex. So what we're going to be doing <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna be marching on uh, September 11th here in uh, my home my hometown that I'm living in now, right uh, south of Chicago in Illinois. Uh, we'll be marching 20 miles. We're gonna have a 10 miler, a five miler, and a 5k for those who want to march but don't want to do the 20 mile ruck march. I got veterans drink vodka is gonna be showing up, and a whole lot of other people planning on driving on up here. I got uh, people who have. Five acres of land, they're okay with us building a tent city for the weekend. That way we'll awesome. be able to hang out. It'll be veterans hanging out, camping, obviously doing what veterans do. And um, 
We'll be doing that March, man. So we do a March. I do a March every year now. I started in 2019. I was by myself. I marched 20 miles uh, to recognize the veterans who commit suicide every day. And I'm a recipient of this uh, Headstrong Project because of my uh, law enforcement incident that happened in 2018. We wa- I wound up raising through Facebook and stuff like that about $1,900. I thought that that was awesome. I marched by myself. The local newspaper picked it up. The VFW picked it up. I wound up joining the VFW and they found out it was me. So they asked, how, how do we do this? How does it happen? Then obviously 2020 happened and ruined everything, coronavirus and stuff. But we still wound up doing the march. We raised $15,000, wow. which got three veterans and their families the mental health and, and counseling for an entire year for, at no cost to the veteran or their family. And this year with with the restrictions kind of laxing, we're looking to go even bigger. I want to I want to double the 15,000. I want to go huge with this. As, as the orange man would say, we're going to go huge. It's going to be a huge march. There's going to be huge people with their huge rucksacks. And there's going to be lawyers. They're going to be great lawyers. These lawyers, I've known them. They're great lawyers. Yeah, and it'll be the VFW is going to be you know helping out a lot. The American Legion, the auxiliary groups, the local uh, Boy Scout and Girl Scout troops. So it began, I love I, I, growing up on the south side of Chicago, man. This small town feel where you see those flags still flying and the people come out and they greet you and they see somebody rocking that American flag, walking down the, the road or something like that. And they lay out, lay on their horns honking. It, it, you can't beat it, man. I, I missed my calling when I should have been raised in the South. But yeah, that that's the, the Headstrong and uh, their website is getheadstrong.org. Uh, if you want to donate to them. So I'm just putting that out there. I would love to, I, I would love to see your insane asylum, sir. And I can't wait you for Halloween for you. I do want to see it, man. Let's 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 tour, bro. Show me. All right, let's go show, me, tour, then. show me what this Wi-Fi does. Oh, oh, sitting down for too long. Okay. I'm not sure if I can turn this thing around. You gotta hit the flip thing, the camera. Don't 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 turn it off. There it goes. There it goes. The checkered flooring. You've seen that uh, yeah. one. Cuckoo's oh, nest. Asbestos. You got uh this is the paint room right here. It's a little crowded. We got some of our flags going on right here. There's some of the beautiful work, man. That, that those are gorgeous, brother. Oh, Marine Corps is going to like, go out oh, and yeah. work on the website. This one is a new style we're coming with. Let me see if I can flip it around. Oh, new style. It's just got a border on it. Oh, cool. This one right here. I dig it. Now is that burnt wood or is that just yep. it's, it's called okay. charring? Yeah, we, torch, we char it and then we uh, will sand down the stripes again to make them like pop a little bit more. Uh-huh. Uh, this is got this cross is going to a local church. Wow, that's a big one, ten foot tall, yeah, six foot wide. Good lord! Yeah, we do have this one flag. We're adding more decals to it. It's a oh, not this one. Where'd it go? And this has got the green stripe for the military for ladies bought it for a husband. I'm not gonna say who, so they don't. See the podcast, I know they're getting a surprise. That's beautiful. And it waves. I like that. The the waving on it is gorgeous, yep. man. You got now, a, how long does one of these flags take you to make? It's hard to say because we make a whole we make a bunch at the same time. Uh-huh. Barn door. Yeah, this That's is the main shop, shop area. It's it's a mess right now, but this is the main shop. That's good stuff, brother. Got my favorite wall back there with all the old tools and stuff like that on there. You know what, man? I might just be donating a tool to you. I got an old uh, hand-powered drill. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's got, got a... I got, uh, one, I got one of these small hand-powered drills. This right there. Okay. But Mine's uh, I'm not got sure what gear. you have. Yeah, it, it, I, I, I'll have to show you at a different time. It was uh, my wife's grandfather's. It was funny because they when he passed, and he's a World War II Navy vet. When he passed away, uh, his wife, my wife's uh, grandmother, allowed, you know, whoever, nephew and and whatever to lost to the, go, the Wi-Fi. Allowed the uh, the grandsons and stuff like that to go ahead on in there, and all they did was take the power tools. And I'm like looking at some of the stuff, like the dresser that he had in there was beautiful. To, and I refinished that. We we wound up. What did we do with that? I don't remember what the hell. It was made of beech wood. We had he had a bunch of hand tools, old screwdrivers and stuff like that, and old. Uh, it, it was like a crank. It looks like one of those egg beaters. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's pretty cool, man. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. I'll, I'll I'll text it over to you. How much did the insane asylum cost you, man? 
I don't want to say on here, honestly, but I got it for a steal. This is my backyard, by the way. Jeez. Yeah. Now this was this is where the nurses stay when they worked here. Also, also it was also while the nurses were here it was a brothel at one point. And they, uh, yeah. There's a lot of creepy stuff that went on here, man. Even the residents, they made them work on assembly lines, putting toys together and other products they would sell, and they would pay them a minimum wage, whatever it was, thirty years ago. And but they couldn't Probably leave the, the residents. Hey. They couldn't. They couldn't even leave the uh, property, so they couldn't spend the money. So I guarantee you, like that, that money was going to whoever ran the place at the time. Oh, this is my side yard right here. That building. It's, so now, are almost, all these buildings yours, or just the one building? No, just the one building is mine, but uh, mm-hmm. I own all the property around it, like uh, two acres of land around it. And, you gonna start uh, so putting can, in bushes or what? Uh, well, we're slowly building the inside first, and then we're gonna start going on the outside. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you got plastic covering the windows when we were painting the inside and stuff. This is one of my favorite buildings, though. I would love to buy this, but I ain't got the money. <laughs> that one right there, the white building. Yeah, this is called the Powell Building. Is where all the administrative stuff happened, and uh, a lot of people work there. Yeah, this. There's always people trespassing and coming, breaking these buildings and stuff. I just saw something that someone just pulled up. They're like moving metal sheets out of this stuff. All the kids come by here, you know. Get hurt. That's why I have snakes, man. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but uh, no, I you know I love it out here. They got um, it was a whole city within a city here. It had its own fire department, police force, water source, power source, ambulance service, hospital, everything. Wow. Oh, it was a whole city. And uh, they employed most of the people around here. When they shut it down, when uh, the government came in and shut it down, they just released the patients. Yeah, they, like, didn't, no, that, that happened nationwide. Gone. That's that's our mental health in this in this country is is ridiculous, and how yeah. they treat it is atrocious. This was the world's largest, the world's largest insane asylum. So, it's all yours. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Well, we have about 50 businesses that moved out in this area. I mean, it's huge. It is absolutely massive. But I am trying to buy more buildings, but I'm kind of starting off small. I'm trying to, right now, I'm trying to buy the uh, old police precinct uh, building. That'd be it's tight. pretty small. It's right across from where I, my current shop is, so I can keep an eye on it. But I kind of want to turn it into Airbnb. People come out here and spend the night <laughs> in the sale asylum. Yeah, right. But, okay. Uh, so I'm, making, I'm making moves, man. I'm making moves. <laughs> I see, I see you. I see you, brother. But all right, yeah, man, we're going to be closing this one up for today. Barrick, man, I greatly appreciate your time, brother. Thank you very much for your service. Like I always say, man, my veterans are my heroes, dude. I love my Marine Corps. How do you guys say? Huh? Hoo-yah? 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 Hoorah. Hoorah. There we go. Hoorah. I need to say hoo-yah. Hoorah, yeah. man. All right, brother. I'm going to let you go. Uh, again, thank you to our producers, Veterans Drinking Vodka, uh, of Amber and Amanda. Thank y'all. You guys are wonderful. Greatly appreciate you guys. Remember, on Fridays, we always wear red. Remember, everyone deployed. Though we are, you know, here in the States, guys, brothers and sisters that are downrange, you guys are never, ever outside of our mind. We always wear the red. Please be safe until we all come home. Keep your head on a swivel. God bless. Good talking with you, man.